Good morning, Stony Brook. It is January 31, 2021, and this is the fourth Sunday after Epiphany. Here at Stony Brook, we are driving deep into the power of good grief. So often seen as something to avoid, yet when addressed authentically and honestly and reverently, we can find the presence of God, the hope of Jesus, and the guidance and gifts of the Holy Spirit. I'm Mary Jo Yako, and I'm privileged to serve here at Stony Brook as senior pastor, along with Bob Thomas, our pastor emeritus, who escaped the snow and headed south for the month of February. God bless our brother. Um, I also am with Jennifer, uh, our associate pastor, Jennifer Casey, who is our preacher of the morning. If you are live streaming with us this morning, please know that Ben Lilly, our director of youth, is hosting the live stream and would love to greet you, welcomes your prayers, and encourages your worship experience on this day that the Lord has given us. Being people of prayer as we journey with safe boundaries, making sure that we are all together in the very near future, we can stay connected through the Connect card that you find on the website. You can find it at www.stonybrook.church. Registering your presence and using the Connect card for prayers allows these tools to be our current vibrant tools of nurturing our community called the church. The missions team would like you to remember that we continue to be in great faith with the feeding of children over the weekend as they are not as readily available as normal. So you can find the list of products that are needed on the website at that same address, www.stonybrook.church. We would love to make that happen for the children of our neighbors. We would also like you to know that the Lenten season is quickly coming to us. February 17th marks Ash Wednesday. But before it arrives, we'd like you to know that we are going to be encouraging our study ministry using the letter that Paul wrote to the Philippians. Our electronic newsletter and others shall share the announcements of times of new groups that are starting for this book in particular. The author of our guidebook is N.T. Wright, and he responds as a deep theologian of New Testament on how Paul can show us the way of hope. And now, good friends, brothers and sisters of the faith, would you allow your servant Deb Chakavis to guide you in meditation as we prepare to set aside all the things that keep us busy for the worship of God.
The deer longs for the flowing streams. So longs my soul for you, O God. My soul, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and behold the face of God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people continually say to me, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I went with the throng and led them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of thanksgiving, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me?
Amen. And I give thanks for your presence here. You all get an extra uh, star in your crown for getting out in this weather. Amen? How important it is for us to be people of prayer continually in all things. Would you join me in this time of confession, of reflection, and of parish care? Let us pray. Oh God, this portion of the body of Christ called Stony Brook is gathering together again. We offer our hearts authentically as we know how. Today, we are different than yesterday. So our hope lies that when tomorrow comes, we shall be more wholly yours. Thank you for receiving us exactly where we are, with our anxiousness, with our questions, with our confidence that sometimes comes from arrogance, with our lack of questioning, which confines you, because you meet with us where we are. We know that more shall be revealed, for you are the God of infinity, and we are the creation of this moment. Here are prayers of concern that revolve around what we carry in our human hearts, our concerns for loved ones who are in need, our grief for those for each other when death arrives, our impatience when the world refuses to conform to our expectations, our needs, our perspectives. Help us. Oh, help us to live in the spirit of gratitude that you do know what is going on, that you are in the midst of us, unfolding the gift of life to each and to all. It is with humbleness in our hearts and minds that are awakened to your presence. Show us a new light as you promise that this light we lift to the world so that all might know you. And so, with humbleness of those who have seen large spanses of years that challenge, and with confidence of children who simply welcome all gifts, especially the gift of love, let us humbly pray together the prayer that Jesus teaches. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Hear now these words of grace as recorded for us in the gospel according to John chapter 11, verses 28 through 37. When she had said this, she went back and called to her sister Mary and told her privately, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw Mary get up and quickly go out. They followed her because they thought she was going to the tomb to weep there. <clears throat> when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O oh God, for the gift of this holy scripture and for the gift of this sacred story, we give you thanks. Open our hearts and our minds so that we may hear your message of hope for us today. Amen. Grief is a curious thing. As it ebbs and flows over time, the sands smooth some of the jagged places in our hearts, softening and changing us. At times it feels all-consuming and at other times mildly present. It's complex and conflicted. It shows up in our emotions, our behaviors, and our bodies. Grief hurts, it changes, and it moves. Grief is a curious thing. From the moment our lungs draw in our first breath to the moment we exhale our last, our life is one big transition. Each day brings about new experiences and new ways of seeing the world. It should be of no surprise to us then that God created our minds, our bodies, and our spirits to process the transitions of life in helpful and healing ways. It's strange then that these transitions are so anxiety-inducing for us. To be honest, it's generally not the transition itself that is difficult for us. It's getting our heads wrapped around the reality of the transition. And though, through these transitions, we often experience the process of grief. Our grief is the way that we make sense out of what we have lost in the midst of life's transitions. For four weeks, we are exploring the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead alongside Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's stages of grief. 
This will be our foundation to processing grief and figuring out the hope and making meaning out of loss. We've explored denial and anger, and today we turn our focus to bargaining and depression. As a reminder, grief is not a linear process. There is no one right way to grieve. You may or may not experience each of the stages that I am presenting throughout the sermon series. You may stay in one stage a very long time and another only for moments. And likely you'll find yourself cycling back through some, some of the stages of grief as future life experiences trigger grief all over again. All of this is normal. When we focus on depression today, I want to be clear that depression as a stage of grief is not a sign of mental illness. It is the appropriate response to loss. That being said, the line between clinical depression and depression from grief can be difficult to discern, and it may take the help of a trained professional. While your pastors are not qualified to help you with that discernment, we can help you find someone who is trained and appropriate should that be something you need. Please reach out to us. As I have stated each week, we are here for you. We've been sitting in this story of Jesus, Lazarus' family, and the community of Jews for three weeks now. We've listened in as Jesus doesn't go right away to visit Lazarus and his family when he learns that Lazarus is ill, and we're not sure why he delayed. Could he have temporarily experienced some denial? That is, shock and numbness to this alarming news. The grace in denial is that it provides time for our psyches to adjust to overwhelming news in our lives. We've listened in as Jesus finally goes to Bethany to visit the family. And upon his arrival, Jesus learns that Lazarus is dead. He's been in the tomb for four days by the time Jesus arrives. Martha, Lazarus' sister, is angry, and she confronts Jesus by stating if he had been there in time, her brother would not have died. <clears throat> Anger protects us from the pain which lies beneath the surface, pain that will eventually rise as we are ready to process those other emotions. Jesus responds to Martha in her anger, in compassion and revelation, by revealing that she is standing in the very presence of life. Even in death, as painful as it is, life is present. Today, we turn our attention to Jesus, Mary, and the Jews. Martha has just articulated in the story that she understands Jesus is the Messiah, and then she goes to find her sister, Mary. Mary responds by getting up immediately and going to Jesus. And as she gets up to go see Jesus, her community believes she is going out to the tomb to weep. And so, in their comforting nature, they follow her. Upon arriving to see Jesus, Mary kneels at his feet. In this posture of humility and reverence, 
Mary echoes her sister Martha, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Her posture and her words are filled with sadness. If only, what if? These are often words uttered during the bargaining stage of grief. If only I had gone to the doctor sooner. What if I had chosen another route? These types of statements temporarily allow our brains to believe that we have control over the chaos found in the midst of loss. It allows for a temporary reprieve from pain by keeping the strong emotions at bay. If only you had been there, Lord, my loved one would not have died. I would not be in this pain. My reality would be different, if only. Jesus sees Mary. He hears her grief. Like with Martha, he responds. Jesus is moved deeply, and he is greatly disturbed. The deepest of human emotions stir within Jesus. Something deep within his gut responds to her pain and to the pain of her community. God created our psyches and our bodies to handle loss. Depression is a way for our nervous systems to shut down in order to adapt to something which we don't believe we can handle. Just like all of the other stages of grief, it is normal. It is when reality begins to set in for us. It's hard and painful, and the finality of things can be overwhelming. In their book on grief and grieving, Authors Elizabeth Kubler-Ross and David Kessler invite the grieving to accept the depression stage in a paradoxical and compassionate way. They write, see it as a visitor, perhaps an unwelcome one. Invite your depression to pull up a chair and, with you and sit with it without trying to escape. Allow the sadness and emptiness to cleanse you and explore your loss in its entirety. When you allow yourself to experience depression, it will leave as soon as it has served its purpose in your, lo in its, in your loss. As you go, grow stronger, it may return from time to time, but that's how grief works. Depression serves a purpose. For Mary, I suspect her time in a depressive state allowed her to reflect on what Lazarus meant to her. Depression gives us time and space and energy to slow down, to take stock, and to think about that which has been lost. It helps us formulate thoughts and feelings around the meaning of our loss. Being compassionate with ourselves is essential. Grief is a curious thing. Being compassionate as we try to bargain our way out of loss and being compassionate as the tears flow is a gift we can give ourselves. Tears can be cathartic. Tears are a part of the healing process. Many of us have been conditioned to see tears as weakness, 
This is unfortunate as researchers have determined that tears have physical healing capabilities. Dr. Judith Orloff writes, typically after crying, our breathing and our heart rate decrease and we enter into a calmer biological and emotional state. Emotional tears have special health benefits. Biochemist and tear expert Dr. William Fry discovered that emotional tears contain stress hormones which get excreted through the body through crying. Dr. Fry found that emotional tears shed these hormones and other toxins which accumulate during stress. Additional studies suggest that crying stimulates the production of endorphins, our body's natural painkiller, and feel-good hormones. So if scientific research and Jesus show us that crying is good for our bodies, our minds, and our spirits, shouldn't we embrace this part of the healing process through grief? My therapist will tell you that crying is a release valve and it is necessary for our health. Tears allow pain, sadness, anxiety, depression, and anger to slip out of our eyes and into the world. They are the reminder that we are human, wonderfully and skillfully made by God, our creator. Tears mean that we have taken risks, we've allowed our hearts to open up, and that we have loved. A broken heart is a part of being human. It hurts and it can be healed. Believing in the healing nature of the church, Stony Brook took the leap and invested in training Stephen ministers over a year ago. Stephen ministers are lay people who are specially trained to walk alongside individuals as they experience challenges in life. Stephen ministers are listeners. They provide a one-on-one -on -one confidential relationship with a care receiver meeting once, again, once a week to offer Christian love and care through listening and praying. A Stephen minister is someone who you can safely cry with and talk to. It is through this special relationship that God offers healing to hurting people. Listen now as Linda Elko, one of Stony Brook's Stephen Ministry leaders, shares about the hope found through the healing ministry of Stephen Ministers. Good morning, Stony Brook. My name is Linda Elko, and I am a Stephen Minister and a Stephen Leader. In 2001, my previous church started a new class in Stephen Ministry. I had just finished 10 years of youth ministry and needed a break. After learning about Stephen ministry, I said, here I am, Lord. I took the training and I started to watch how God was changing lives of hurting people with the help of a Stephen minister walking alongside with them. Today, I'd like to share some of my experiences of transforming hurting hearts. Galatians 6.2 tells us to carry each other's burdens and in this way, we will fulfill the law of Christ. During our lives, we all face challenges and crises that shake up our world and affect our ability to function. 
Our pastors will always be on the front line for immediate care, but there is always more ongoing needs after crisis. These life challenges all require longer ongoing Christian presence while struggling to see hope and start to heal. They require the love of Jesus Christ, someone to be his eyes and his ears while walking alongside as they go through the valley of darkness. They don't have to face it alone. As a Stephen minister, we are trained to provide one-to-one -one Christian care to hurting people. We are consistent with showing up for weekly visits and giving emotional and spiritual care by listening, praying, and supporting our care receivers. I have watched hurting people start to recognize their hurts and problems and then start to heal and move on with new ways of living and thinking. I have seen care receivers connecting with God in a much more stronger way and also some of them even coming back to church and feeling God's grace in their lives again. In August 2019, through the support of Stony Brook Church, I had the opportunity to attend a week-long Stephen Series Leadership Training course, and this was to bring Stephen Ministry to Stony Brook. As of now, we have four trained Stephen leaders and 16 commissioned Stephen ministers. Twelve of them are actively giving confidential Christian care. They are being supported and held accountable in their supervision groups. Stephen ministry is grounded in Jesus's command to love one another and our Stephen ministers live within God's peace as he walks with us to restore others to the wholeness of God's salvation. healing ministry is available for you. If you would like to learn more about uh, having a Stephen minister, please reach out to Linda Elko or to one of the pastors, and we can help you with that. Jesus began to weep. These are quite possibly some of the most powerful words in Scripture. Jesus, fully human and fully divine, felt such deep compassion for his friends that his heart was broken right alongside of theirs. Jesus began to weep. In the midst of the grief, Jesus showed up. He listened to Mary in her pain. He cried with her, and he cried with her community. Grief is a curious thing. Jesus weeps with us. His heart breaks when our hearts are broken. He shows up and he sits with us in our pain. He listens, he grieves, and he heals. If you need to cry, give yourself permission to cry. Weep even. It's cathartic, it's healing, it's biblical. Allow the stress, the sadness, the pain to slip out of your body and into the world like raindrops falling from the sky, only to be caught by God. And as God catches your tears, may they be cradled gently and then brushed aside to make room for new meaning and memories in your soul. Grief is a curious thing. As it ebbs and flows over time, the sands smooth some of the jagged places in our hearts. 
softening and changing us. May the God who created us in the most intricate fashion shine upon each of you in your grief. May the God who loves us unconditionally hold you and weep with you. May the God who came to earth in the form of a human heal us in miraculous ways that lead to resurrection and new life. May each of us experience this gift of grace. Amen. worship series, we will be lifting one of the ministry partners that Stony Brook Church has chosen to support through our Christmas offering. As Pastor Mary Jo shared earlier in the month of January, this year's Christmas offering was right around $24,000. That's going to be split evenly between four ministry partners that were chosen because of the good work that they do in the work of mental health. Uh, today, take a look at uh, the good work of the UMCH family services, and the ways that uh, your gift, your financial gifts from Stony Brook Church will be supporting this ministry partner. Good morning. My name is Sean Riley. I'm the executive director of UMCH Family Services. We serve families all over Central Ohio from every socioeconomic background. Uh, primarily, we serve families that struggle financially and have all of the other associated psychosocial stressors that go along with that. We serve people from the south side of Columbus, the north end of Columbus, and all areas 
in between. We primarily focus on two areas, uh, delivering mental health services to children and families who are struggling with a psychiatric disorder, as well as providing out-of-home care in our treatment foster care network. How will this affect our families, this great donation? As you can imagine, the pandemic has caused a rift in people's ability to work, in uh, their families and their ability to contact each other. So it has increased mental health need at the same time when resources are tremendously stressed. We will utilize these funds to pay high deductibles for families, to cover the cost for families who have lost their insurance. And as long as those dollars are there, we will try and serve as many families as we can. I wanna thank Stony Brook for its phenomenal continued partnership. There is not a place, there is not a program, there is not an area of UMCH Family Services that has not been touched by the kindness and support of Stony Brook and its congregation. From our foster care program and, and our foster parents and children, to our outpatient programs, to support of our board of directors, Stony Brook has been incredibly generous and kind and we are so appreciative. As is the custom for Stony Brook Church on the fifth Sunday of the month, we do take a special offering to benefit the UMCH Family Services. Uh, you can do so by going to our website, stonybrook.church give, and give your regular financial gifts along with a special gift to uh, our ongoing support of this ministry partner. And as always, you can also mail in your financial gifts directly to the church office. We are grateful for all of the ways that you offer yourselves to God through the mission and ministries of Stony Brook Church. And now will you join me as we uh, end our worship time together and go into the world by saying our traditional benediction together. May the peace of the Lord Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness, protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. Go in peace, my friends. Amen. Amen.